orange. The sun hung low, a ripened orange stooping gently from a delicate shaft of dust and light, ready to be plucked by the ashen fist of the dusk. The sun's ample orange sprayed itself liberally, glinting off the windows, sliding down the shimmering leaves and peering right into the driver's cabin. The man at the wheel caught a glimpse of his face in the rear-view mirror. He noticed Crow's feet rushing in towards his eyes as he squinted. His furrowed brow tried without success to contain his concern. Each time he drove to find another unfortunate house, he was worried about being late. He knew anxious mourners waited for him to come and take death away from their midst. Only after his departure could the house be cleansed and all stains of death could be washed and scrubbed away. The furniture would then be moved back into place. Flames could be lit again and food could be cooked in the kitchen. Normalcy could return. Daman Singh ferried the shadow of death and it was heavy. His arrival and departure would be the first sign that it was all right to start forgetting the dead and move on. The shadow of gloom must be lifted at the appointed hour. The body language of the mourners always gave away the anxious shoulders that ached in anticipation of the burden. He could tell the ones who were keen to haul the body onto the hearse. The hearse that he drove to the cremation ground. Do you believe in afterlife, Damanji? Arjun had barely mouthed these words when Daman slammed the brakes, swerving to avoid a cow that had suddenly appeared in front of the hearse. Daman blamed his perturbation on the increasingly annoying question Arjun had asked. The question did not warrant an answer, least of all from a man who had been left clueless by death. The hearse stopped inches short of the animal. The cow walked on gingerly, rattled by the sound of the pressure horn. Daman's usually calm face was contorted in annoyance. To aggravate the situation, Arjun looked least bit apologetic for the accident he had almost caused. Instead, he smiled nonchalantly and repeated his question. Damanji, tell me, do you believe in afterlife? You have been driving this van to the crematorium for the last five years, taking people on their proverbial last journey. Do you think after this ceremonial send-off by their kin and friends, the dead live on somewhere? Does something escape the leaping ribbons of orange flames and the wind-directed ballet of swirling ash and smoke? Or do you think it happens much before that, when the last breath is exhaled? Does something remain after the mathematics of death has done its exacting calculation? Dhaman ignored his question and drove on. Not many things faced him now. A certain inertness and indifference 
had formed a protective crust around him. He wondered why Arjun pestered him with this question. The boy was relentless. He simply rephrased the question whenever they went for a new assignment. Arjun had been his co-driver for the last three years. He was regular and punctual. He navigated well and helped Daman reach the house of mourning. Maybe that is why he tolerated Arjun's garrulity. The only thing that worried Daman was that Arjun was too young to be making a living out of delivering the dead to their final destination. I need the job and this one has very little competition, Arjun would say with a twinkle. And Daman would let it pass. He was a private person himself and did not like to probe further. It is Gupta Nivas 257 Agarwal Nagar. Turn right from the next crossing, announced Arjun. Daman followed his trusted navigator's instruction without argument. He found it rather unusual that he had begun to rely on Arjun. Ever since his wife left, he rarely trusted anyone. He had mellowed down with age though. He was no longer the temperamental drunk he had been a few years ago. Daman had not been involved in a brawl in the last five years. Initially, the crematorium management had been surprised, but had then reluctantly agreed to his request. The hearse and the hearse driver was a dire need in their small town. The dead don't get a decent send-off in this town. We should take their mortal remains to the crematorium in a grand manner. It should be an elaborate ceremony before we pack them off as ash to be poured into a river. I'm glad that now we shall be able to make the last journey of the dead respectable, to say the least. The mayor had gone on, but Daman had slipped out of the grand function organized to start the hearse service. He could no longer stand the glorification of death. Five years hence, he still dealt with death afresh every time he was called to duty. His eyes welled up when he drove up to a wailing doorstep and waited patiently for another corpse to be lodged in the hearse. The heartbroken families, a crying daughter, a son valiantly pushing back tears and swallowing a lump that rose in his choked throat, a wife crying hoarse, the sobs of a shell-shocked father trying to balance his weight on a walking stick while his shoulders buckled neath the weight of his son's demise. He grieved with them all. He desperately tried to reclaim the sorrow of one funeral that he had not been able to attend. Over the years, Daman had learned to see through friends and relatives who congregated to mourn. He could tell the wheat from the chaff. He could notice the anxious faces in the crowd, stealing glances at their watches. He would cringe at the ones totally lacking etiquette, who would cover their mouths and yell into their cell phones. Daman and Arjun stood at the back after packing the vehicle and waited for the ceremonies to be over. 
Before alighting, Daman had opened a little diary. He had written the address and filled in the date. He would make entries into the other columns later at the crematorium. He needed details like the name and age of the deceased from the register maintained there. He was particular about the serial number and realized that it was 99 today. He felt strange at the thought of having ferried almost a hundred people to their final destination. Standing next to the boy, Daman started making observations about the kin of the dead. Whispers usually conveyed the cause of death, the deceased's name, surviving family and the usual remark that it was very untimely. Daman wondered if there ever was a timely death. How did it come and to whom? Who were the lucky ones who had lived a full life and were ready to go with a peaceful look on their dying faces? He knew his own death would be timely. Yes, it was like a premonition. He had lived his life. Now his sole purpose was to drive the deceased. Every evening he returned to a house where the stench of dead memories overshadowed everything. He had been unable to drive the corpses from his own house to a crematorium. There were days he felt like a dead body himself. An extension of the dead past that lay resolutely in his house. Daman shrugged away the thought and went back to the hearse. He pulled out his rosary, lit incense in front of all the deities that sat on his dashboard and closed his eyes in prayer. Shawls were being offered and the dead man's cold feet were being touched. His wife wailed and their two sons tried to console her. A daughter-in-law held the children while the second one offered water to the relatives who had just arrived from the train station. There is a strange calm in the commotion that seizes a house after death. Daman found it predictable. Irrespective of faith, death was dealt with in the same way. Ushered in with identical grief and tears. Death may be unpredictable, but the sequence of events that followed was frozen like the body that was preserved on ice overnight. He had ample time to muse and philosophize in the midst of all the wailing. His state of calm bothered him. Was he turning indifferent to death? Was his penance going to be of no avail? Was this repeated lashing of his heart with the whip of death enough? Then the moment arrived. Now he was safely lodged behind the wheel and headed for the crematorium. Arjun sat beside him. The sky became overcast as they left Mr. Gupta's residence. The house remained in mourning, waving its white sheets and tents in a final farewell. Daman noticed several red-beaconed cars amongst the cavalcade, snaking slowly behind the hearse. He concluded that the deceased must have been an important man. Daman felt sad for the man whose lifelong toils were quickly fading in the rearview mirror. 
he was faring a beaten defeated corpse diseased beyond redemption a cluster of limbs rendered worthless pricked veins skin punctured repeatedly by hypodermic needles a heart that he had heard had weakened shutting down gradually like an old engine to finally stop pumping blood the night before he thought about the last moments before a vortex like slumber drags consciousness into an endless pit beyond retrieval drops of rain appeared on the windshield and thaman pressed harder on the accelerator the worn out wiper blades protested against the screen with a grunt the crematorium had a tin roof the inside of which had been blackened by the smoke rising from charred bodies and wood over the years it would be inconvenient for the mourners to stand in the rain if the downpour became heavy this was not the time of the year for rain it had arrived as unexpectedly as death at the gupta residence we could remark that this is not the time of the year for rains but we can't say that about death can we there's no appropriate time for death youth is not at all the time for death he was blabbering now and he didn't realize that he was audible to arjun above the sound of the mantras emanating from his stereo the rain was falling hard when he turned the hearse into the cremation ground but the enveloping grief became an umbrella and the rituals began in an unhurried fashion daman watched the priest the shiv bhagat guiding the family through the customary ceremony daman always regarded the priest with awe and admiration the thick dreadlocks that fell to his shoulders had begun to gray he had spent a lifetime chanting piling wood over bodies pouring ghee and other samagri consigning the dead to the liberating orange flames and burying stillborn babies in the back of the crematorium daman felt that the priest's eyes exuded an immense understanding of death and its inevitability he wondered how a man could deal with death daily and with such grace how could he stay sane when crows and vultures moaning and ash inhabited the eucalyptus trees the priest was to him one of those tall eucalyptus trees that stood around the crematorium a sentinel a protector and a custodian of death a middle-aged man in a spotless white shirt and khaki trousers broke through his reverie in some death provokes awkwardness and the fidgety ones try to strike up a conversation he looked at the man standing beside him and heard him say did you know the deceased mr gupta of course since you're here to attend the funeral you must know him it's silly of me to ask daman suppressed an urge to tell him to keep quiet he observed the man carefully he looked to be in his 50s he was dark skinned with a face that seemed to have a history of worry etched deep in permanent lines 
Gray had started an upward movement and was encroaching right up to his temples. A pronounced potbelly made sure he could not see his own feet. I'm not an acquaintance, I'm the hearse driver. Daman chose his words carefully, hoping his brusque response would end the conversation. He was wrong. The man was desperate to make conversation. The one you see over there in the blue striped shirt is the deceased business partner. I've heard that he's going to be the main beneficiary if the dead man's last will is not found. Daman did not respond. The man continued unfazed by Daman's lack of interest. The grapevine is that the dead man's will is missing and that his business partner might take his young sons for a ride and annex everything Mr. Gupta owned into his own huge business empire. It is a substantial fortune. Why do you think the town's authorities are here? Everyone wants a piece of the pie, my friend. I wish I could help the poor man's family in some way. The rain had picked up after the funeral pyre had been lit. Momentarily, the man grew silent and diverted his attention to the heart-rending cries of the widow. Daman seized the opportunity to go into the office to complete the formalities. But the man in the white shirt turned and followed him in. Sardarji, I must share this with you because you are an outsider and not related to these people. Moreover, you do good service to the society by driving the hearse. He leaned in close to his ear and whispered, The deceased has an estranged sister in a nearby village. I don't see her here. Perhaps she, is, she hasn't been informed of her brother's death. She had married against the family's wishes and was turned out of the house. Taman was taken aback at the audacity of the man. The lack of sensitivity prickled him. He turned, folded his hands and said, I just drive the hearse as a service. I don't need to know the family's troubles or their history. My job finishes when the corpse is ceremoniously cremated here. Now, if you excuse me, I would like to complete my register entries and go home. The man stepped back in surprise at the outburst. He turned swiftly and rode out of the office. The family members came in and Daman stood there while they filled the details in the register. He noted the name carefully. Satish Gupta. Age, address, time of death and all other details into his own little diary. Arjun peered inquisitively but Daman waved him away. Thunder clapped hard as dry wood crackled on the pyre. The rain was falling heavily now. After the day and time of the last service at the temple was announced, the deceased's relatives queued to bid farewell to the mourners with folded hands. Daman was glad that the annoying man in the white shirt and grey trousers did not confront him again. Raindrops coalesced into trembling tout strings of a lyre that played its music in the puddles below. Daman looked up at the softboard in the manager's office and yellowed newspaper clipping caught his eye. He saw his own photograph from five years ago and reread the news heading. City businessman donates a much-needed hearse to the crematorium and offers to drive it too. 
The rain song was no longer an intermittent piece. It had a constant rhythm. Daman stared blankly at the wall and reminisced. He had been a successful businessman, as shrewd and crafty as they come. He had a reputation that preceded him. He never gave an inch to anyone, was aggressive in intent and always a hard bargainer. He had provided well for his family, had enjoyed drinking daily and had lived a full life. Or so he had thought. Life that a man labours to build is fragile. And as he walks on a tight rope of circumstances, his load is delicately balanced. He used to read this written on the walls of the crematorium when he passed by, driving to work daily. But it had hit home one fateful night six years ago. Daman dragged his thoughts away from that memory. He wanted to wash his face and go back home. The usual routine for him after the evening funerals was to sit by the little reservoir built within the crematorium. It was a peaceful place and Daman often sat there and fed the fish. He reflected on the day gone by and talked about life and death with the priest who always had some insights to offer. Today Daman sat alone and looked at the ever-widening circles formed by falling raindrops. Memories of his own son, Karan, rushed in like the slanting rain and drenched him. He remembered the fateful day of the school picnic. An image of Karan's body floating on the surface of the water rose to his mind. The river had been in spate that day, and the boys had been standing on the banks clicking photographs. Karan had lost his footing and slipped. He had been swiftly swept away by the strong current. His body was never found. But Daman imagined his son's death to be an event devoid of much struggle. He never pictured his boy struggling against the current of the river that seized his limbs and dragged him down into its depths. He saw an orange sun float on the surface forming a halo around Karan's body. The leaden weight of breath had been taken off, making it possible for Karan to float on the water effortlessly. It was then that Daman saw it, Karan's body floating in the little pond of the crematorium, slowly, gracefully among the fish, a picture of peace and calm. The rain had stopped and the sun was fiery crimson, outlining the clouds, painting the water in the pond with its orange fires. As the shimmer hit Daman's eyes, Karan's body dissolved, consumed by liquid flames of water. Panting and struggling for breath, Daman felt a sharp pain in his chest. The vivid image stirred more memories. He had seen his wife slip into depression and leave him after a year. He had seen himself lose his business and subsequently his reputation in the region. He had become a recluse. And one day, he had decided to sell his assets and devote his life to this strange service. He wanted people to have a proper send-off, unlike my son and... He checked the strain of thought and splashed water on his face. He adjusted his turban and walked slowly towards the gate. He saw Arjun by the hearse, 
and smiled back at him. It had been a few days and Daman had relegated Mr. Gupta's cremation to the deep recesses of his mind. It was just another number in his log now, number 99. He was starting the hearse for another call. He gave Arjun the address and Arjun asked again, Do you believe in afterlife, Damanji? In the rear view mirror, Daman saw the manager of the crematorium wave a goodbye. He could not help but notice the concern on the manager's face. The manager had hinted at his retirement last week. Daman was nearing 60, but he wanted to continue driving the van. They were early today, and as he waited for the body to be bathed and prepared for the final farewell, Daman picked up the day's newspaper. From the corner of his eye, he noticed Arjun sitting quietly. He shifted his gaze to the newspaper and a familiar face stared at him. It was a photograph of the irksome man in the white shirt and grey trousers. It was not the image, but the name that hit him like a bolt of lightning. It referred to him as the late Mr. Satish Gupta. He further read that Mr. Gupta was a businessman who had died the previous week and now in the absence of a will, his family was embroiled in a legal dispute with his business partner. Taman could not believe his eyes. The man's words still echoed in his ears. He has an estranged sister in the village whom he loved very much. She has not been informed of his death. And Daman knew instantly where the man's will was. He looked up at Arjun and colour drained from his face. Arjun spoke. Do you believe in afterlife, Damanji? Daman shook Arjun violently and asked, Who are you? You remember the boy you killed in the car accident in Shimla in 2001? You jumped a traffic light while the light was still orange. You drove into a motorcycle. I screamed for help in the middle of the night while you drove on. I'm the reason why you serve this penance at the crematorium, aren't I? There was a long pause. Daman finally spoke. How is my son? He's at peace. And then Daman heard Arjun speak for the last time. And I forgive you. An impatient man shook a teary-eyed Daman and told him to start the hearse. The body had been brought on board. It was time to make the hundredth entry in his logbook. At the crematorium, Daman sat long after the procession of mourners had left. The priest expressed his concern for Daman's health. The manager had told him that Daman Singh was talking to himself too much of late. But you look well to me today, Daman Singh Ji. You look like a man at peace with himself. And there is no reason why a lonesome man should not talk aloud to his God. Orange flames from the pyre leapt towards the eucalyptus trees that swayed to the mysterious tune of death in the backdrop.